Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Oh, man, it sure is, isn't it? Mm, it got real chilly in Austin, it's Texas over. today. What's that? It's a pig. Mr. Popper's penguin strolling down my street. That's how friggin' cold it is. Freaking icicles hanging from the tree. and uh, Griffin wore a long sleeve shirt. I wore a long sleeved shirt it's a big f- deal from Jacru. And I wore it, and I'm still wearing it. It's my new favorite shirt. It's very cozy, and it's got stripes, which is very slimming. And it's the new fall look. And then for lunch, I went down the street. There's a new taco stand. It just opened up like 50 feet away. I went. I was like, let's try it out. Try one of their barbacoa tacos. It was balling. And then came home, hung out with you, hung out with our wonderful baby, and played around with him. And then we just got, I just had some donkatsu from our favorite Japanese place. It's a fucking good day. This is my first thing, and it's all the good stuff that I did today. Not a very relatable one, but man, some good stuff was done today. I'm feeling fresh. <laughs> got a new cup? <laughs> Can we talk about the new cups? We went to Target, we bought new cups. This is another unofficial thing. This is We haven't started yet. Well, we got two copper mugs, because I've been drinking Moscow Mules lately, because we go to this farmer's market, and they sell this incredible ginger beer, and so I started making Moscow Mules. Listen to this. The the touch, the feel of copper cups is the new. <laughs> but I also got a plastic cup. Do you want to tell them why I got a plastic cup? I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. Um, if you put a glass of water uh, anywhere in my proximity, I will manage to knock it over. Usually, um, ki- usually karate kick it over. <laughs> this this was a extreme example. This was like a, a Rube Goldberg actually. I was moving Griffin's very large body pillow, and it swung behind me, hit the glass of water off his nightstand. Glass yeah. didn't break. Didn't break. It's a good, it's a good glass. Yeah. Uh, many, 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 many other glasses have yes. broken. Yes. They have met with a sorrier fate. And yes. so we actually had to go and buy a special cup for me, but really it's for Rachel. <laughs> um, I love special cups, man. <laughs> I just love when you look at that cup, you know, I know what you're there for little copper cup you're there for moscow mules to be drank out hey of. you guys all these wonderful things are for free that's not even the episode yet this isn't you haven't even gotten into the real shit yet uh do you want to kick us off with our first thing yes okay this is a real sensory experience okay i want you to put your nose in this okay take this a big is, old uh, puff kurt vonnegut jr's welcome to the monkey house it's an old old copy i would say oh isn't that nice what is that you want to describe the the it's, smells? So it's it, Rachel's handed me an old book, right? And so you get handed that and you think like it's going to have sort of that musty old book smell. I don't know that I would describe that as what this is. Like I feel like paperbacks almost have a different – I'm going to get another – What notes are you getting? I'm going to give some ASMR too. <laughs> oh, that sounds incredible. I mean it's definitely a little musky, but it's almost sweet. There's like almost mm-hmm. a sweet almost sort of um, – uh, what's the word? Incense-like sort of smell to it, as if like it has paperback because it's paperback. It has like absorbed the smell of the room around it. Mm-hmm. How long have you had this book? Did did you have this in sort of your your more crunchy phase that you went through? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, actually. Okay, that might I probably ex- got it in college. I might explain it. I didn't know there was a Kurt Vonnegut Jr. That's Kurt Vonnegut. Why did he go by Jr.? I mean, he was maybe a junior. All right. <laughs> um, but my my wonderful thing is not Kurt Vonnegut, although I really it's pretty do. Pretty good. I do love Welcome to the Monkey House. You know they're making a TV adaptation of uh, 
Uh, Cat's, Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. That's going to be very good. Uh, old Book Smell is my wonderful thing. I love this. I love this. I love this. But I, 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 it, there seems like there's multiple old book smells in there, or is there just the one? Well, here's what I'll tell you. Okay, okay. I'm so excited. Uh, so an international team of chemists did a study in which they um, looked through a whole bunch of books. Um, smelled them all. Smelled them Those all. Those nasty perverts. And they described the smell as a combination of grassy notes with a tang of acids and a hint of vanilla over an underlying mustiness. I get that. Yeah, I think the vanilla is what I, what was hitting, hitting my snoot. This is from a Mental Floss article. Uh, books are made up almost entirely of organic materials, paper, ink, glue, fibers. All these materials react to light, heat, moisture, and even each other over the years and release a number of what's called volatile organic compounds. Um, so... These, so this has nothing to do with how they interact with the environment around them. It's just you put <clears throat> ink and fiber and paper all in the same spot and you squish them together for a few decades and they just produce this scent? Well, so books will absorb because it's paper. They will absorb smells. Right. I love the examples they gave. They said, uh, some books have hints of cigarette smoke. Others smell a little like coffee, and still others, cat dander. <laughs> These are the different smells that there are. Thank you. Well, no, I just thought it was funny. Like, they're describing a very specific kind of person that might have a bunch of old books. Uh, a person who owns a lot of books probably also does have a cat and also does smoke. Mm-hmm. Just saying. So... They use these compounds uh, as a way to determine the condition and age of books by using special sniffing equipment. Okay. Um, no, so no I compounds... need to know: is it nose? Is it is it nose shaped? The sniffing equipment is it like a Don't big? Is it look like something sort of Pee Wee Herman esque, like or double dare? Is it a double dare challenge? Or you pull a flag out of you the... pull the flag right out of there. Uh, so Henry did that to me the other day. He did, he did his own. Do- <laughs> I was laying down next to him, and he had this one razor sharp uh, fingernail. Uh, it's very hard to cut all ten of his nails at once, and so Rachel typically does like two at a time. Which is a uh, I was just on the wrong part of the cycle there. He jammed that shit up to the fucking fatty part of his palm, up into my brain, looking for that, <laughs> looking trying to finish that physical challenge. Holy shit! It was the worst thing I've ever felt in my life. So I want to tell you about these compounds. Yes, yes, the compounds. Uh, so, and I apologize to the chemists that listen. You're not going to enjoy my pronunciation. Uh, so I read an article that talks about the different odors of the different compounds that create this kind of aroma. Okay. Um, benzaldehyde is almond-like. Um, and then we have ethylbenzene and toluene, which is a, a sweet smell. These chemicals are worse. Are these chemicals where all smells come from? Well, these are specifically the ones that you'll find in paper, ink, glue, and fibers. I know, but is it when you smell an almond, it only smells like an almond because it's got ben- benzo... Oh, man, that is another episode. I cannot help Shit, you. Shit, dude. I got to learn anything about science. <laughs> um, there's a uh, 2-ethylhexanol, which is slightly floral. Mm. Um, so, so I just thought that was interesting, you know, because I, I personally and a lot of people like that old book smell. Yeah. And I realize it's because uh, the books are decaying. And it's, <laughs> yeah, that's probably not great, but it's, 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 I, in my opinion, it is miraculous that this is the smell that these books produce because it's not like, you know, um, Gutenberg, when he was making the book, when he was inventing the book, was like, 
oh, no, we can't use this type of paper. It stinks. It's going to stink too bad in 30 years. You know, they were just using it. So we could have had, like, stink books with the stink chemical in it. You know what I mean? Like, sliding doors. We could, All books could just be like, ooh, how old is that book? 10 years old. Get rid of that thing. It stinks so bad. It smells like, like a, old pizza. It's like a wine or a cheese. Yeah, know? but it could have been anything. But this is what they smell like, and that's great to me. That's actually, speaking of wine and cheese, it's true. Like, as it gets older... The compounds break down. Because it has the cheese chemicals in it. It's it's good. Yeah. Um, That was a very good one. Yeah. So that's mine for this week. You made me think of like the the strand. Is that what it's called in Mm -hmm. New York? In New York. Um, Or uh, there was a bookstore in Huntington that we would go into all the time that had like, it was overpowering. The smell was. And that really took me back. Smelling that old book. It really does take me back. Takes me back to a time when I read books at all um kidding how about uh my thing go for it my thing is you're gonna be i think mad because it's very basic okay it's pumpkin spice Uh oh now not pumpkin spice lattes although we will get into that i'm talking about the spice that is pumpkin spice can i see if i can name all of them please name all of the spices in pumpkin spice cinnamon yes wow this is nutmeg yes um allspice right uh probably but that's not listed in this list that i have um sugar no oh um clove yeah um ginger yeah that's it yeah and and quote sometimes actual pumpkin okay um (laughs) um i don't have a lot about pumpkin spice except to say that i genuinely love it so very much and I recognize that that is probably like you hear that and it's like, oh, man, I was really hoping they weren't going to talk about pumpkin spice on the podcast. I think it's incredible. I think seasonal and more. Pro- I, I enjoy seasons. I enjoy holidays. I enjoy little checkpoints throughout the year that let you know that you've gotten to a new thing and then celebrating traditions around those checkpoints, I think, mm-hmm. is a very cool thing. And it's a I, it's something that I've always really been attracted to. And the idea of a seasonal flavor is very exciting to me because there's no like spring seasonal flavor. There's not really a summer seasonal flavor. Um, winter, I guess, kind of, but that's more attached to, to holidays. This is a holiday agnostic, just like it's fall. It is fucking pumpkin spice time. Well, and you know what's crazy about pumpkin spice? Like, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember the first time I had just like canned pumpkin without the spice. And I was actually surprised. I was like, this tastes nothing. This doesn't taste like pumpkin spice at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you cannot talk about pumpkin spice without talking about the PSL, the pumpkin spice latte. Uh, Starbucks introduced the pumpkin spice latte in 2003. It is now their most popular seasonal beverage, of course. Um, as of 2015, 200 million had been sold. That data is two years old, and I imagine that that number has probably yeah. doubled at this point. Um when they were creating the recipe for the pumpkin spice latte, worked on it for a long time up in up in Washington, um, and you know experimented with some stuff, tried some stuff out, trying to find the right balance between you know the pumpkin flavor and the more sort of like chemical, uh, artificial flavors and sweeteners, if you will. And what they landed on was, what if there was not any pumpkin in it at all? Um, so did you ever have a pumpkin spice latte before 2015? 
I think so. Yeah, there's no pumpkin in that one, unfortunately, even a little <laughs> bit. There was not even a little bit of pumpkin in it. Um, around 2014, like people started to catch on like, hey, hey, Starbucks, there's like no pumpkin in this thing. Also, it's like bright orange. So what I guess is going on with that? Well, and it's shelf stable, too, Like, because I, I did used to work at a coffee shop. Um, and those syrups, they just sit out on the counter all time. So it seems like if you're going to put real pumpkin in there, that might be kind of a challenge. This blew my mind. And I realized, like, this is also a very old news story. And there was, like, this was, like, a thing that everybody talked about a few years ago. I've been out of the pumpkin spice latte game for a little bit. Rachel got me one the other day, and I drank it. And I said, well, that's pretty sweet. That's extremely <laughs> sweet. Um, that is maybe because they changed the recipe in 2015 in response to these criticisms. They cut out the artificial colors. Now it looks like a coffee beverage again. Uh, and it now uses what is called a pumpkin pie sauce. Uh, which includes sugar, condensed skim milk, pumpkin puree, uh, coloring, and preservative. That explains it because I looked it up when I was on my way there. I looked up to see if it was dairy-free, and it is not. No. So there is uh, – it didn't taste very good. Oh, no. And I'm going to get back to talking about how good the pumpkin spice yeah, flavor is in general. But that pumpkin spice latte I drank the other, like two days ago, like I, it left me wanting. And I'm wondering if it's because they changed the recipe to make it less chemical and less like carcinogenic, apparently. Yeah. And now – Don't it always seem to go – wouldn't you just love to get in the car right now and just turn on fucking Joni Mitchell's blue and just like drive to Dallas tonight? Yes. hundred percent. Windows roll down that 60 degree Ooh, air just cold. coming. Oh my God. Are you kidding With me? With the old recipe pumpkin spice latte in With her an hand. old PSL and an old four loco. There's people on eBay selling the old sauce. Just rancid. Actually, it's probably still good. It's yeah. probably still good. There's definitely a, a, a site of four loco aftermarket. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> introduced the PSL in 2003. It changed shit up in 2015. Now it's stronger than ever. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't think it was that tasty. <laughs> I also don't like, I don't have as big a sweet tooth as, as I, as I used to. Whoa. Um, Griffin. What? I know I say a lot of stuff like I'll eat some Skittles or whatever like that. But like if I'm drinking a coffee, I don't want to get it makes my tummy hurt. There it is straight up. That, that much sugar just gets. <laughs> I, was say, I haven't seen you ever turn your nose up at any kind of sugar treat. But because of the pumpkin spice latte, pumpkin spice fucking exploded. And now it is everywhere and in everything mm -hmm. you ever eat. Um, a few facts here. At Trader Joe's, the number of pumpkin products has steadily increased since the uh, grocery chain began offering them in the mid-1990s, according to a company spokesperson. So I guess they were first in the game in sort of foodstuffs. Um, this year, Trader Joe's shelves will be stocked with more than, guess how many pumpkin-based items they have? Now, is this 2017? Uh, yes. This is from, a, uh, I think, a Business Insider article, or a Washington Post article, one of the two. 32. More. 67 more 93 more than 70 items more than 70 pumpkin spice items Ooh. are you kidding that's more than one shopping cart can probably hold but i will fuck with most of it because they know what they are doing around with some pumpkin spice stuff they know they know what's up uh, according to data central menu trends restaurants pumpkin uh, inspired limited time offers uh, are up 234 percent from 2008 to 2012 this is specifically not just about pumpkin flavored foods this is like only for the next two fucking weeks get in here bring your pumpkin spice latte because once it's gone it's gone uh, which is sort of like another big appeal of the psl um 
while uh, overall limited time menu offers have grown 143% over the same period. I didn't read this this close when I was putting it on here. This is more about limited time offers and how great they are. <laughs> um, but there are new pumpkin flavors in, from anything from M&M's, Dunkin' Donuts, to flavored coffee K-Packs, to pumpkin flavored whiskey. There are fragrances. There's pumpkin spice lotion and shampoo and candles. Yeah. And all that said, it's all very good. I am excited to get myself my hands on some pumpkin pie, on bread. a pumpkin log, on a pumpkin bread. Oh my Wait, god! Pumpkin log. Yeah, like a pumpkin log. It's like a the, the thing that's rolled. With yeah, like the... a Swiss roll. Okay. Uh, yeah, my mom always called it pumpkin log, but I guess a pumpkin Swiss roll mm-hmm. would be a more a- accurate descriptor. Pumpkin mm-hmm. spice baked goods are my shit. They're back. Pumpkin spice latte, a little cool on those, but pumpkin man, you eat it, and it's like you're eating like a month. It's like mm-hmm. mm, I'm eating November right now. That's beautiful. And there's nothing else like that, I don't think. Right? I mean, peppermint in December. I guess so. Yeah, December. How come all that shit... How come with the... I talked just now about holidays and checkpoints and all that is a, being very good. How come pretty much all the big dope ones are like all back to back to back? Do you know what I mean? Like Halloween rules, uh, Thanksgiving rules, and then Christmas, uh, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Ramadan, whatever you celebrate... The, the the winter Valentine's holidays day, no valentine's easter. day no fuck that fuck that fuck no, that are you kidding me no it's good it's good but i'm valentine's I'm, day and easter candies are super good they're good but neither of those holidays are as dope as thanksgiving or halloween or whatever december winter holiday you celebrate none of them are that good and all of those are right back to back thanksgiving's the best and then wintertime holiday is the best and they're right next to each other i feel like thanksgiving should be in june talk about it <sighs> um for those of you that don't know this about Griffin, he is very intense about holidays. Oh, God, am I? Uh, you will probably do some special episodes. Oh, then starting the day after Halloween, the next eight weeks of episodes are going to be insufferable. <laughs> I have a whole, a whole album dedicated to the Sufjan Stevens Christmas albums, straight up. That's coming down the pipe. Uh, probably just going to do a whole Bake Good episode, just like straight up. And then one about, you know, the real meaning of Christmas. Um, okay. We'll do some Christmas movies, I'm sure. Yes. I mean, not just, and I don't just want to, Thanksgiving uh, dishes. What I like about, like, the idea of candle nights from, from Mabimam and Adventure Zone is it's an all-inclusive affair. Oh, yeah. I you know we could do some Hanukkah dishes. Let's do some Hanukkah dishes, dude. Um, hey, Griffin. Hi. Can I steal you away? Oh. Oh. Ooh. So I did a fusion a there of the Joey end. Lawrence into Home Improvement. What if? It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality. And you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can you can sell 
sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible. That's um th- th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Do you want to read that first Jumbotron for me? Sure. This message is for past Gracie. It is from future Gracie. I know you're sad because of your breakup, but now it's fall. You're a 2L and your friends love you and I love you. You're a kick-ass future lawyer and a great dog mom. Remain on the smooth tip and keep listening to the best couple on the (laughs) podcast airwaves. You rock. Hang in there. That's a very good, powerful message. It just reminded me of remains on the smooth tip. The fucking... Oh, sorry. That was the... That was the MC Scat Cat that is how the record label described MC Scat Cat as like a hip guy who remains on the smooth tip. Oh my gosh. The greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, Gracie, keep doing it. Just keep. Way to go, Gracie. You're making it. Claw at that fucking thing. You're doing it every day. Congratulations. Got another message. This one's for Dencha and Frog Monster, and it's from Nanner, who says, Hey, ladies, Dencha, happy almost anniversary. Froggy. Froggy happy almost birthday. Hopefully by now I've gotten you to listen to all the McElroy products with me and you are hearing this come from Griffin's sweet lips. If not, well, hey, Hannah, happy B-Day. Keep going. You got this. And even if you don't, the McElroys are always there. Right, Griffin? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, right. Yeah, I agree. They're obligated to always be there. I want to know if this is a real frog that was in the mix there or if it's just like a cool college nickname. Probably a cool college nickname. Maybe it was a message for a frog. No, it's probably a cool college nickname. Frog Monster is maybe the coolest college nickname. Well, hoopity dop dop, scoopity dee dop, skibbity dabbity doobity hoopity hoop. Hoopa doo doo doo, de pappity dee dee, doo 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 Stop podcasting yourself. We don't even know anymore. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download your podcasts. You want to hear my second thing? I absolutely want to hear your second thing. 
Okay, I've teased this before. You've heard me talk about them. If you heard our promo, you may have heard me mention it. Overalls. Oh, oh my God. This is a very fall episode. I know. I love overalls. This is true about Rachel. I have Griffin. Griffin got me a pair of cloth overalls that I have not worn very much. They're they're unfortunately too long. Yeah. I'm a very short woman. Overalls are extremely difficult to shop for someone else for. Yes. I my most measurements do not come in overalls sort of metrics. Well also my preference is for the denim overall where the strap over the shoulder is adjustable. Oh, so you can just take it right off like you're in TLC or something. Well no, you can adjust it so that the length on the bottom. Or you could just let it hang like you're in TLC yeah. or something. Or or you could let it hang like you're in TLC. Uh so God, that'd be such a good look on you, babe. <laughs> overalls uh were created in the seventeen hundreds. What? Uh, yeah, dude. 1700s. Uh, they were called... Okay, now this article, I don't know if it can be relied on or not, but this article said the very first bib overalls were often referred to as slops. Yeah, that sounds right. I think I've heard that before since yeah. I'm from the you know the country. It's a, it's a working man's outfit. Uh, at the time, they were not made of denim, but instead a tough cloth. Uh, oh, I bet that they, felt bad. They were worn over another pair of pants. So Did they? Do you think back in the day they would also let a strap hang down? <laughs> I want to know who came up with that first. That would probably be a hazard. It's a, It's such a hot look. How come nobody's doing this anymore? It was just TLC and Jennifer Aniston for a little bit, and then nobody. Um, Will Smith, back when he was the Fresh Prince, used to do a little. He would wear overalls one, with one. one okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then in the 1850s, they started specializing overalls for the industry. So it was white for painters, blue for farmers, and pinstripes for railroad workers. I never, I, holy shit. Mm-hmm. I knew that, but I didn't know no, that. I didn't think about it either. But now that you said that, it's like, oh yeah, they are always wearing that shit. Uh, in the early 1900s, Oshkosh Bagash began selling bib overalls for children which, oh my gosh, the best. Well, can we just say to Mr. Osh, Mr. Gosh, and Mr. Kabosh, I didn't say it right. <laughs> just well done. Good ingenuity, good entrepreneurial spirit. Thank you for your service. Um, the, the idea was that the kids could dress like their dads by wearing <laughs> these overalls. Oh my God, Oshkosh, my gosh. Um, once they were featured in the Miles Kimball catalog, sales went through the roof. Miles, the kingmaker. Yeah, I don't know who Miles Kimball is. I can't stop thinking about the colors matching the different professions. Mm-hmm. I know, it's it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Sorry. Um, I'll, I'll get my head back in the episode now. So overalls became kind of a fashion thing in the 60s. Um, and then where we are familiar with them is in, in the 90s when a lot of uh, musical groups would wear them with one strap unbuttoned also crisscross crisscross backwards holy shit yeah Mm -hmm. um and yeah i would say so middle school is when i i really went for the overalls describe Um, your everything about your middle school fashion please oh man i'll do mine if it makes you feel better afterwards um middle school is where i started to get into kind of thrift shopping Mm. so i had a lot of large um polyester shirts But shit, it was 99 cents. You remember that? Nobody, <laughs> baby, baby, baby. Nobody wants that anymore. Well, 
Do you remember? Do you remember yes, it? I do. I do. Okay. Uh, I, I had a lot of. It's the same um, title of the song, and you said it. There is a place in St. Louis I used to go to called Value Village that was enormous and had a lot of polyester button down shirts with like butterflies and stuff on them. Uh, I used to wear little plastic barrettes in my hair, little baby oh, barrettes. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, either a wide leg pant or overalls, as I mentioned. Uh, I used to. When well, you say wide leg pant, like uh, how close to not jinkos? No, I know, but give me like a jinko like percent, jinko percentile. No, not even, not even close. Not even like two percent. Like jinko. flare at the at the calf. Like a bell bottom. Yeah. Oh, that's a good look too. Um, like a like a skater shoe. What you, you like know? a Vans or a... yeah, but probably not a Vans. We weren't we weren't name brand families. <laughs> Vans um, were cheap back in the day, though. I remember Vans being fairly affordable. Chucks. Oh yeah, I definitely had Converse. nonstop Chucks. Yeah, um, used to dye my hair red, purple. What? Mm-hmm. I never, Babe. I never bleached it though, so it was always kind of like a hint of color. How many, are there pics? I want to see pics of purple-haired I Rachel. Honestly, I don't think pics exist. Will you dye your hair purple just so I can get an idea of like what you're what you're? We can time it with the Halloween costume. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Damn. Um, and I'll dye my hair purple. No, you won't. If you do it, I do it. I don't give a shit about my hair. Nobody fucking sees me ever. That's true. People definitely do see me though. That's a good a point. A few days a week, which is uh, going to be. A you challenge. wear a big hat. <laughs> like a big blossom style yeah, hat. Yeah, big blossom style hat. Did you own one of those? I bet you did. I did. Yes. I did. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, I would say just a lot of unnatural fabrics uh, and overalls. Loving it. Um, I remember my friend at the time had a pair of denim Union Bay overalls. And I saw them and I thought, oh, cool, people are wearing overalls now. I'm going to go out and get some. I also happened to go out and get Union Bay overalls in a different color. And everyone's like, why are you trying to be like her? Why are you trying to change uh, the flavor? Where you're like, no, look, they're pinstripe. It's because I work on the railroad. <laughs> She's wearing white. devastating. And, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, babe. I wore those for a very long time. But to be fair, that is what you exactly what you did. And they did get you. They caught you chomping flavor. And I, I love you, but you can't be a flavor thief in this in this I just world. Wear overalls all I don't know, time. but not because your friend, you know, warm and then you got chomp I needed that somebody to let me into the overall universe. I think you're ready to come back. I, I actually, when I was researching today, I got online to see if anybody was carrying an overall. Because last season, I saw him in Old Navy and Gap and everything. Didn't didn't jump? Didn't, didn't strike while the iron was hot? Damn no, it. No. Didn't right. see him yet. Um, oh, and, you know, pockets, hammer loop. Those are good, too. Oh, shit, yeah. Love all those pockets. Put a little pencil. I had a lot of hammer loop pants, and I never once carried a hammer in them. I feel like I did once, just for the novelty. Why? You brought a hammer to school? Well, no, not at school when I was working around the house. <laughs> Pull a hammer in there. That's very good. <laughs> I think I used to, like, I'd put an umbrella in it, just to be very practical. I think in middle school, literally all I wore was cargo shorts and bowling shirts. I, I, was, I was a heinous, How a heinous beast. How did you beast. have so many bowling shirts? Uh, Hot Topic sold them, I think, oh, for a while. No, I know it's not a good answer. Also, consignment shops, like nonstop. That is like where we got all our clothes mm-hmm. growing up was consignment shops. Um, okay, so how about my second thing? Go for it. I have a music thing, and it's kind of time to like Halloween a little bit, but I'll have to walk you there a little bit. Uh, my second thing is a, a musician and composer uh, who goes by the name Disasterpiece. 
uh, real name Rich Vreeland, um, and uh, he, he is a composer. He is mostly known for his work on soundtracks. He has a pretty wide catalog at this point. Um, but but he mostly does soundtracks, and that's what he's mostly known for, um, particularly in in games and one particular uh, uh, soundtrack for a movie that I, I want to dive into. So I'm going to play like a, a few things and sort of talk about like why I like him. He is like uh, a very influential musician for me. A lot of the stuff that I did for the Adventure Zone soundtrack was inspired by listening to his music. Um, and also, like, I think he's probably my favorite composer, like soundtrack artist alive right now uh so he uh his his first like major release was for uh, a video game called fez uh which came out in 2012 and that was kind of his breakout thing and it's probably my favorite game soundtrack ever there are these incredible themes throughout and these uh late motifs uh that just thread the whole thing together um he uses very distinctive synths that kind of define his music i'm going to get to the place where you probably know him from here in just a second uh, but he uses a lot of like 80 synth sounds and bit crushers. Um, and for Fez, like the, the music was so like each song was so unique to all of the different environments in the game, which really helped to bring them to life. Um, so just to sort of set up, if you've never heard any of his, his music before, this is the theme song to Fez. It's called Adventure. The next sort of big thing that he did was a film soundtrack to a horror movie. Um, is, is it? Uh, oh gosh, what's the? Do name you remember? What, was it? It follows. It follows. That's yeah. right. So when this you, is when you said like eighties. That's what I thought immediately. Yeah. So he did the theme song to uh, a really great horror movie called It Follows, which is just about this um, invisible monster uh, that is only visible to you if you have its kind of curse, and the only way you pass the curse on is by having sex with somebody. Um, and the whole thing is that the monster never stops. The monster is always, always, always walking towards you no matter what. And so you have to keep moving or bone down and spread the curse to somebody else. Um, and so he did the, the disaster piece of the theme song to this movie. And it was sort of his first like major film uh, uh, soundtrack role. And it rules. It's extremely good. It has this very, very dark tone. It's very atmospheric with lots of like uh, distortion in the sense. But at the same time, I remember the first time I saw the trailer, I knew nothing about the movie, but I was like, oh shit, that's disaster piece. Cause I recognize a lot of like the synths and sounds that he uses in, in the rest of his music. He does that here, but he uses them for more sort of, um, sort of subtle, like atmospheric, like building tension sort of purposes. Um, it has my favorite theme song to any horror movie ever, and I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. The title song to It Follows is just called Title, and it's great. That's not what I want to play. What I want to play is um, he use he threads like a lot of of late motifs through like all of his work, and uh, it's no different here. And It Follows. Wait, what what are you saying there? Are you saying lake motif? Late motif is like lake a. Mo- well, I don't know what that means. It's like a uh, like a recurring theme that is it shows up multiple times in like a a collection or a soundtrack or anything. Okay. Uh, that reuses themes, and usually it ties those themes to a, a specific like character or situation. Oh, okay. Um, and so 
what what is so genius about the It Follows soundtrack is uh, in horror movies, this idea exists of characterizing the monster or the evil or something with a very like with a recurring element in the music, right? Yeah, so I like say that Halloween with Mike Myers, right? That that or even to be even more simple, like the best use of this in in Halloween, it's the. Oh, how does the Halloween... Yeah, yeah. That's good. So that's like, what, three or four notes in an arpeggio going down. Jaws is two notes, right? <laughs> and that's it. A scream is just the violin shriek, the ring, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it follows... Disaster Piece does this with his same, like, synths, his, like, crunchy synths. Um, but it's just one note. And it's nonstop... And it is set usually to like a pulsing beat that is coming at you nonstop, just like the monster in it follows. Oh, it is fucking incredible and it is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, and it is throughout like every uh, throughout the soundtrack, like you'll be listening to it and you'll hear this bang, bang, and you'll be like, oh, that is where the monster shows up in the movie and you know it. And it just feels like this thing is coming for you. So this is I, I, the, the theme song to the, the movie is great, but this is uh, not that it is the first song in the album called Heels. Uh, and it it is going to show you just what I mean. Just it accomplishes so much just with one note. what i like really love about his stuff is how much he accomplished like his sense are beautiful and his compositions are incredible but he accomplishes like so much just with the recurring use of like the simplest elements to like an extent where i don't know how he pulls it off like i don't know how you use a single note to like accomplish something like that um one other thing that he did uh, last year there was a video game that came out called, called uh, hyper light drifter that was one of my favorite games last year his soundtrack was incredible he had a lot of acoustic piano and synths and stuff in it too um and just like his other stuff, there's there's themes that recur throughout. And a lot of it happens just with these three notes that he plays in these songs to sort of establish this kind of spooky, ruined, dying world. Um, and it just plays throughout the whole thing. And, and just with three notes, like he gets across so much about this world. And I think it's, it, it's just genius. So this is a song off that called Vignette Corruption. anything about this dude i always get intimidated by people's like performing names and then it, it's like makes their whole persona a mystery to me like who's this guy yeah no he's his real name is rich freeland uh, i'm pretty sure he's a new york dude he's young he's like 31 mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I, it's it's i've been following him since since fez i played fez and was like holy shit this is the best we have the fez soundtrack on vinyl i think it's really really great mm-hmm. And so it's been really cool to like watch him go on and do like more more stuff. Not that making a video game soundtrack is like you know uh, not not laudable enough, uh, but then to see him like go on and do it follows and get a bunch of different soundtrack work has been really really cool. And I don't know, I just think it's like I I, I think he's got a really great way of boiling down sort of these characterizations of these worlds into just a handful of notes 
that happened throughout the whole composition. Um, and he just puts it, I talk a lot about Mort Garson who did the theme song to, uh, the adventure zone. Well, he didn't do the theme song to the adventure zone. We used a song of his for the theme songs to the adventure zone. He was this like seventies Moog electronic pioneer. Um, and I feel like disaster piece has kind of a similar ear. Like whenever I hear a Mort Garson song, I'm like, Oh, that's Mort Garson because I can tell like the synth that he uses. And I feel the same way about disaster piece. So that's cool. Like it's so interesting to me that you did Nick Drake and now you're doing disaster piece like that there i can't think of two more different they're very different but i i listen to both of them a lot i listen yeah. to disaster piece a lot like i listen to a lot of soundtracks um i listen to soundtracks like i like listening to a soundtrack because usually i'm working when i'm listening to music yeah. and soundtracks don't have any words and because disaster piece makes these soundtracks that help build character in a video game world or in the case of it follows like a film world I don't listen to that much. It follows because it is kind of spooky and a lot of it is very sort of yeah, dark bad. and dreadful. Um, but I listen to Fez and Hyper Light Drifter a lot because it, when the music is designed to make like a world uh, feel more vibrant and alive and detailed, when you listen to that music, when you're not playing the game or doing whatever, I don't know, it's more, it's like transportative in a way that I can really yeah, get down with. I can and see I, that. The, a lot of this stuff I'm talking about, like minimalists, powerful recurring themes and world building all that stuff like i think he's the best dude in the biz right now and that's why i wanted to talk about him also because it follows is a really good spooky movie it's super good yeah wanna... we should watch that this halloween yeah for sure i think we have it we just haven't watched it and probably because i'm afraid <laughs> uh do you want to talk about what some some of our listeners are i would wonderful? love to talk about some submissions yes Here's one from Victoria from Seattle, who says, I really love winning a challenging round of classic Microsoft Solitaire. Watching the cards drop always feels like a little congratulatory firework show meant just for me. Oh my gosh, that and, and Free Cell. Free Cell, and Ski Free, and Jez Ball. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Not Minesweeper, though. No, too much work. Uh, yeah, too much work. <laughs> uh, here's one from Alex who says, My boyfriend and I have stumbled upon a very good Korean cooking show on Netflix called Chef and My Fridge. The premise is that celebrities bring their entire fridges and chefs have uh, cook-offs using only the ingredients from the fridges. There's a lot of good-natured ribbing between the chefs during the competition, and it's become our go-to comfort food television for a lazy Sunday. Rachel and I read this, and we were like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, and watched it while we had dinner tonight. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was. It's a, Each episode's an hour long, and there's only one cooking thing in there, and the rest of the time is sort of padded with these uh, Korean celebrity sort well, of interrogations. At least that was the episode we watched was all these chefs and hosts. We like, only saw one of the celebrities, so there were two celebrities on there, I think. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. we saw the second half. I think this was like a best of con. Anyway, uh, it, I, I enjoyed it. I really, really loved the cooking section, but a lot of it is like... I feel like I would enjoy it a lot more if I knew uh, who Korean celebrities were. Yeah. I know who some Korean celebrities are, but not this particular <laughs> Korean celebrity. Um, here's another one from Rebecca who says, Hey, Griffin and Rachel, I was recently watching Frasier with my beautiful mother when she muted the television and said, apropos of nothing, I used to do ventriloquy semi- I used to do ventriloquy semi-professionally, and I don't regret a second of it. And then immediately went back to watching the show. While I laughed so hard, I thought I was going to permanently damage my body. Any further questions were curved in favor of watching Frasier. I certainly don't think this was a universal experience, but oh my God, did it make my year. Do you think she thought, today's the day. I'm going to reveal my secret. What television show would be most appropriate for revealing this secret? 
and she landed on Fraser. It's possible. Is there a good time to tell your child that you used to semi-professionally be a ventriloquist? I don't think so. I mean, as soon as I mean, as soon as possible. Does Jeff Dunham have kids, and do you think that they know what Daddy does all day? I'm the sure. Dark, the dark well, deeds. I don't know that ventriloquists are big fans of Jeff Dunham. Probably not. I probably think there's probably not. ventriloquists who listen to this show who are like, don't say Jeff Dunham. Don't, don't say Jeff Dunham. Don't say Jeff. Ah, fuck. He said Jeff Dunham. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Jeff Dunham, but I end up doing it a lot for reasons beyond my <laughs> comprehension. Okay. Uh, here is one last one from Whitney who says, a wonderful thing I enjoy in fall is toast soup. You heard of this? I don't think so. It's a few slices of lightly burnt toast simmered in bacon-infused chicken stock blended together with a bit of cornichon brine, Dijon mustard, and butter. It's so strange and soothing all at once and a perfect fit for a rainy day. I mean, it sounds delicious. Sounds really, really, really good. I wonder good. how burnt this toast has to be. So a little bit, because uh, they sent a uh, recipe along. It's Jennifer McLoggin's Toast Soup on food52.com. You can go find it there. Um, and they talk about like bitter being kind of a, a flavor that uh, nobody really uses. So it's like a little bit burnt a little bit. I like it. I want to eat this. I'm looking at a bowl of it now. It looks real good. Toast soup. I also just love like those two things shouldn't go together. You know, <laughs> egg cereal. What? <laughs> Who thinks of these things? In order to get to toast soup, there was probably a chef who had to like walk there, and they probably did. We're like, all right, egg cereal. Let's try it. Damn it. No. Well, Spaghetti about, waffles. Still no. Damn it. Think about soup in a bread bowl. You know? Like you're, you're think about bread in a soup bowl. That's what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, boy. This has been wonderful, and thank you all for listening. And uh, if you leave a review on iTunes or tell a friend or do literally anything to help us out, we would appreciate it. I didn't mean for that to sound like, <laughs> come on, you ingrates. Um, no, we do. We appreciate your, your help, and um, we appreciate Max Fun for having us on the network. Go to Max Fun and MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts there. What are you, what are you into these days, baby, in the Max Fun milieu? Oh my gosh. I listen to a lot, a lot of shows. Um, Stop Podcasting Yourself just recorded their 500th episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so Jordan, did JJ Go, right? Jordan Jesse Go did theirs, I think, last week. Wow. They all had such an early start. I know. <laughs> um, And I like uh, One Bad Mother. I like Bullseye. Classic. I like. Um, all the McElroy shows. Oh, thank you. You can go to McElroyShows.com and check out all the great mm -hmm. podcasts and videos there. Thank you, baby, for setting me up for that one. You're welcome. You literally said McElroy shows. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Oh, we have a P.O. Box. It's P.O. Box 66639, Austin, Texas, 78766. Um, tweet at Rachel. Let her know where all the great overalls can be bought yeah. this year. Um, if you are interested in sending me an old pair of overalls. Oh, um, don't say it. You can't say that because this <laughs> it's a small box and it, it, two pairs of overalls will fill this thing up. Well, no, I was just going to request that they hit me up and ask me what my size is. I'm not going to give it out on oh, air. Oh, so you, but you have just suggested, hey, listeners, <laughs> hit me up and ask me what my body sizes are. <laughs> and that seems okay. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe you should. <laughs> I just really want overalls. I know you. I'll figure it out. Okay. I'll make you overalls. Okay, I'll take my please. old jeans and I'll take two belts and I'll make please. overalls out of take them. Take all those cargo shorts you still have and turn them into a pair of overalls. I have overalls. one pair of cargo shorts. Get out of my butthole. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Griffin McElroy. I'm Rachel McElroy. Then the end. I will be in. <laughs> Money won't pay. Money won't pay. Money won't pay.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Uh, good oh, stuff. Man, every time. Uh, well, I hope that you're enjoying this podcast you're listening to as much as we are pretending to. But anyway, why not listen to another podcast, too? It's called The Flop House. And on our podcast, uh, we have recently watched a movie, often a bad movie, and we review it on our podcast, but mainly talk about other stuff and, I don't know, hang out. It's all about hanging out, feeling like you're being with your best friends. Who are your best friends? Us three. Dan McCoy, <laughs> Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show, Stuart Wellington, owner of the best bar in Brooklyn, Hinterlands, and Elliot Kalin former Emmy-winning head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, former head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, so many things. Author of the upcoming children's book, All right, that's enough. The Elliot's credits just go on and on. Yeah, but if you like the idea of listening to three funny guys talk about bad movies, then why not come over and listen to The Flop House? It's uh, available at MaximumFun.org or wherever fine podcasts are found. So get out of here. <laughs>